Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And I am looking at uh, verse 17 through 26, a familiar story. I want to look at a few stories in the Bible this morning and talk about how the presence of God produced faith. The presence of God produced faith. Luke chapter 5 verse 17 says this. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching, talking about Jesus, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. I just want to read that line one more time so it'll sink in. As he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Who came out of every town of Judea, Galilee, and Jerusalem? It was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. That's who we're talking about. Keep that in mind. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. To heal who? To heal the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Presence of the Lord, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and led him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he, Jesus, saw there the four men, their faith, he said to them, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what, had, what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. We have seen strange things today. I believe in those strange things. Of course, it was Jesus healing the man. But also, it was kind of strange that Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. I think that was a little strange. I think it's a little strange to be in a house where people are trying to get in the house and all of a sudden you hear some banging and soot and, and sawdust start coming down and a hole opens up and a man comes through the roof. It's not Santa Claus. I think we have seen some strange things today. And I mean, if you really look at the whole package of this passage, there's a lot to unpack here in this story about the four friends bringing this man to Christ. But what stands out to me most in this passage at this particular time is he says, when he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, he reacted. He spoke. When he saw their faith, he forgave. By the way, do you realize that it takes faith to come to God to ask for forgiveness in the first place? It takes faith to be saved. For by grace you are saved, what? 
through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So to come to God, period, it takes faith. Now I want to get back to the story, but I want to look at a couple of other stories. Flip over to John chapter 5, if you would. John chapter 5, all right, and I'm reading this from the New King James Version. So if you're reading from another version of the Bible, we'll get to the same place together. But the Bible says in John chapter 5, beginning at verse 5, now there, in, is, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda or Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, key word here, waiting. Waiting, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man there who had an infirmity 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. You see, Jesus in this passage, we understand uh, the, the, the patience of our Lord. We understand um, his demeanor. Because if it were me, I would have immediately said, that's not what I asked you. Do you want to be made well? That's a yes or no question. Don't start giving me excuses. Okay, anyway, that's me. That's, that's why I'm not Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He says, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Waiting on God. How many of us are waiting on God to do something? There are several things that I thought about when I looked at this particular passage and this particular story. I don't know if you've ever wondered when you read different stories in the Bible. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we read books, we say that if the author's a good writer, that author will make it so that it's a window when you're reading. And you can go through that window and put yourself into the story. You ever heard that? And so in the Bible, I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, to put yourself in those situations, to put yourself in those times, maybe an observer at the cross. Maybe you were there when Jesus performed some of his miracles. Maybe you're a person who was healed when you read some of these stories. When I think about this particular story, and I do that, I put myself in the story. I put myself in place of the man who had an infirmity for 38 years. There are things and thoughts that go through my mind. I think about the angel came at a certain time. Was it a certain time every day? I don't know. Maybe some of you know. Maybe you studied a little bit more than I did, but I don't know. It just says the angel came at a certain time. So a certain time the angel came. So it's like everybody was waiting there, and as soon as they saw the water stir, someone would jump in the water. And the first one in, come on. I mean, the last one's a rotten egg, but the first one gets healed. Now, I thought... If it was me, 
I'd be right on the edge of the pool. Even if my legs were lame and I was laying on a bed, I, would, I was going to get down this morning and drag myself. But I said, I better not do that because I you know, might not get up. But I, 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 I would drag myself all the way to the edge of the pool. And I mean, the Bible, does, at first, I, when I first read this, I thought, this man has been by this pool 38 years. But I don't know. It doesn't say that. It just says he had the infirmity 38 years and he was by the pool. So I don't know. But if he was by the pool for any amount of time, I think at some point you'd be able to get ahead of someone else. At some point. What are you waiting on? And then I thought this. Now, this is just me. This is just me personally. I thought this. The angel gets in the water. I didn't. Now, I don't know what the rules were. I don't know if the angel came down one day and said, here's the rules to getting healed. This is what you have to do. I don't know if that happened. I don't read any of those rules. But for me, I would just already be in the water. I'd just be in the water. And when the angel came, you know, it'd it stir it up. I'm already in here. And I'd walk up out the water. I was already, I don't know what y'all was doing. I was already in the water. I mean, I don't know. That's just how my mind thinks. I think if you really wanted to be healed, come on, you had an infirmity 38 years, you would think of ways to get to God. You would, what are you waiting on? Some of us are waiting on something that God is saying, listen, I'm waiting on you. I'm here. Think of a way to get to me. I'm not hard to get to. God says, seek my face while I may be found. I'm here. Seek my face. What are you waiting on? I think that sometimes we're really not wanting truly to get to God. Come on. I mean, we say we want to get to God. We want other people to think that we want to get to God. But, you know, I need to take a little sin break. I mean, I don't want to go all the way in. Come on. <laughs> what are you waiting on? The man was probably laying on some sort of mat, just like the man outside the temple in Acts 3. You remember when Peter and John were going up to the temple and the man was asking for alms, alms, alms. It says he was laying on a mat. This man was probably laying on a mat like that. And he had this disease 38 years. So all he knew uh, was that his disease was there, the mat was there, and the pool was there. That's all he knew. So imagine this. Imagine that the pool represents your hopes and dreams. Man, I want to get healed. If I can just get into the pool, I can get healed. That's, that's my hopes and dreams. The mat represents what you've been relying on. Come on. What's he lying on? What have you been relying on in your life? And then the disease represents that thing that's keeping you from getting to your hopes and your dreams. Your hopes and your dreams are right there, but everyone else keeps getting to it before you. Someone else starts a company and they seem like they're successful. Another person gets the promotion. Someone else's marriage gets healed. Someone else before me. And Jesus comes to you. Do you, want, do you want your marriage to be healed? Do you, would you like to get a promotion on your job? Would, uh, what would you like to do? Well, I, I, I can't. Somebody else keeps getting a promotion before me. I keep getting overlooked. Uh, my wife won't listen to me. My, my husband doesn't want to go to counseling uh, because I want everything my way. Come on. What have you been relying on that's keeping you from getting to your hopes and your dreams? 
Maybe that thing that you've been relying on your whole life is the very thing that's preventing you from getting to where you need to go. Last night I was watching some football because I'm a big time football fan. In case any of you didn't know that, you don't know me real well, but big time football fan and college football started last night. So I watched a little bit of that game and uh, the Colts were playing last night. And I really didn't want to watch much of that because I knew Andrew Luck wasn't playing because he was still hurt. And then I saw this thing flash across the screen. Andrew Luck retired from football. I said, man, these people are crazy. They just say anything on TV. I said, where's your source? What's, what's going on? Andrew Luck retired. The man's 29 years old. I mean, he's been, uh, he's been a, a pro bowler, pro bowl seasons four years. Uh, and when he hasn't been hurt, he's been one of the most prolific football players, come on, in the NFL. And so, come on, he has hopes and dreams. I mean, he just got married. You know, his, his wife is pregnant. Uh, come on, you know, what's going on? And then I watched TV a little longer, and they cut to a press conference. Here's Andrew Luck. Some of you hadn't heard this. I can tell by the look on your face. He got up and said, I, I bet you're wondering why I'm retiring. First of all, it is true. I am retiring from football. I said, what? The first thing I thought is, well, what are we supposed to do now? I wasn't thinking about him and what he's going through. What are the Colts supposed to do, man? Come on. That's a little selfish, don't you think? <laughs> but, you know, in his, in his speech, I can't quote what all he said, but I, you know, I just got the impression that he had been hurt and he'd been rehabbed, and he'd been hurt, and he'd been rehabbed. In case some of you don't know, uh, and I know some of you may not be sports fans, but this, is, this relates, trust me. Uh, you know, he, he had a shoulder uh, that was hurt. Then he had to have soldier, sh shoulder surgery, and he had to uh, come back from that and rehab. Then he had a lacerated kidney one year, and he had to rehab from that. He came back and played football. And then he had another injury, and now he's got this calf injury, which is not that big of a deal, but it's just another injury that he's going to have to rehab from. And I imagine that he's seen men before him play this game. And many of them have come through okay. Many of them have gone on to do great things. I mean, politicians, announcers, whatever it may be, and uh, come out just fine. But there are some that can't hardly talk. There's some that can't hardly walk. They didn't have so many surgeries. Come on. Uh, they can't have a good life the rest of their life because they gave everything to this game. And you can tell that he loves the game. He's been playing since he was a little boy. But I just imagine that as he was speaking and, and trying to give people his reasons, that maybe he had a conversation with his new wife. Maybe they talked about her being pregnant and, and raising kids. And maybe they talked about one day when your son or daughter is 12 and wants to go out into the backyard and throw football with you, or basketball, or run, and you can't do it because you had 10 surgeries on your knee. Maybe they talked about, I don't know what they talked about. But what hit me as I was watching this press conference and I got over the fact that he was being so selfish. I got over, I forgave him for that. Once I got over that, it hit me that maybe this man is saying, listen, the one thing that I've been relying on my whole life is the very thing that's keeping me from my true destiny. My true destiny is not what everybody else thinks I should do. Just because I can throw a football 60 yards. That may not be my true destiny. It may not be what I want to do in life. This man, he has a degree from Stanford. Come on. I mean, it's not like he's not a smart guy. And I believe he was in law school at Stanford. So it's not like he can't do anything else in life. 
And maybe he came to the realization that the one thing that I've been relying on my whole life is the one thing that's keeping me from my true destiny. What have you been relying on your whole life? What have others told you that you should be doing? Come on. Man, how come, what are you waiting on? You can't get into the water? Some of us are waiting on someone or something to come along and throw us into our dream. Come on. Let's go to one more story. I want to talk to you a little bit about pressing in. We talked about waiting on God. Let's talk about pressing in. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, if you can flip over to Mark chapter 5. Very familiar passage of scripture. Now, I'm reading this from the King James Version, so all of you, uh, you know, NIV people, just, it'll be okay. We're going to get to the same place. Me and Sister Sharon, now Sister Sharon, give me a thumbs up. That's right. Go to the King James. All right. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, it says, A certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered. Yeah, that's in the King James. Was nothing bettered. But rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? He knew that power went out of him. Now, remember this. And you know the rest of the story. His disciples are saying, what you talking about, man? Everybody's touching you. He said, no, I know, I know some power went out of me. And he saw her. Now, remember this. According to Leviticus 15, we don't have time to go there this morning, but according to Leviticus 15, she was unclean. She was ceremonially unclean, Right? And so, but not only that, if you go back and read Leviticus 15, not only was she unclean, but anyone she touched was unclean. And anything she touched was unclean. If she sat on a bed, the whole, everything had to be washed before someone else could sit on it, or they would be unclean, okay? So the thing that she may have thought just affected her, affected everyone and everything around her. That infirmity, that thing that she had been relying on, didn't only affect her, but it affected everyone else around her. Something jumps out to me in this story. If you skip down to, to, to verse 34, you know, Jesus deals with his disciples. Yes, yes, if someone did touch me. And, and she said it was me. And he, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Daughter, your faith. He didn't say, I've made you whole. I've healed you. Give me some praise. He's worthy of it. But he didn't say that. He said, your, 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 your faith. Not my faith. Not four friends that brought you to me. Not someone who had to come along and throw you in the pool. But your faith has made you whole. What are we waiting on? What are you waiting on in life? 
Your faith has made you whole. This woman wasn't waiting anymore for someone else to help her. She'd been there. She'd done that with all of these doctors. And now the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And it's within reach. Am I going to allow it to pass me by? She didn't cry out and say, Lord, please don't pass me by. I know we sing it. I sing it too. I love the song. Please don't pass me by, Lord. That's not what she said. She went to him. Now, there was a crowd. There were people all around him, including his boys. that wouldn't let anybody get close to him. But she found a way. She found a way. Why? Because of her faith. Because she said in herself, if I can just get to him, if I can just touch him, if I can just get to his presence, I will be, not I will be healed of this fountain of blood or there will be, a, I'll get a bandage. No, I'll be whole. That's what she said. If I can just get to him, I'll be whole. Something interesting when you juxtapose here you go, Kevin. There's a word. When you juxtapose these two stories next to each other, uh, the first one that we read talking about the man lowered through the roof, and you look at this one. When he got to Jesus, Jesus looked at him and he marveled at their faith. And he said, your sins are forgiven. When she fought through the crowd, come on, and got to the hem of his garment, he said, your faith has made you whole. Why would he tell the man your sins are forgiven and tell her your faith has made you whole? So let's look back now at this original story. There is something that these four friends, first of all, knew about the presence of Jesus that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law didn't realize. They were itching to hear what he would say. They were anxious to see what would he do. But these four guys just wanted their friend to be whole. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to say. I just know if we can get to his presence. I just believe. I speak it. I believe it in my heart. If we can just get to his presence, our friend will be whole. And they were willing to do whatever it took to get into his presence. <clears throat> Imagine the scene. Imagine they bring this guy. Come on, four guys bringing a guy on his mat, on his cot, whatever it is. They're, they're bringing him. And you'd figure if, if someone came in here right now and there was a guy that was paralyzed and they're, they're dragging him in, they're carrying him in, and he just wanted to get to the altar, what would you do? Most of you would say, oh, he was trying to get, and you might get out of the way. So let this guy get to the altar. It's because you have Jesus in your heart. But no, it was Pharisees and teachers of the law. Please, wait. We're trying to hear what this guy, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? What's, what's he going to do? But they didn't let that stop him. They went to the side of the house. Notice, hmm, there's some stairs on the side of this house. Most houses at that time, probably Jim and Gene can correct me if I'm wrong, but in Israel, a lot of houses at that time, people spent time on the roof. So I imagine the roof was probably flat, not like our roof that went this way, maybe. And so they went up on the roof. But now what? You're on the roof of the house. What you going to do? Go down through the chimney? 
Mm -mm. They start digging on the roof. We're going to get this man down to see Jesus. What are you waiting on? We're going to get him to see Jesus. So they started digging. All of a sudden, they made a little hole. Now they can see down in there. I see him over there. Uh, but we're not right above him. That's okay. Keep digging. All right. We, we get him down there. So they made the hole bigger. Hole had to be big enough to get the man through. He couldn't stand up and go like this because he was lame. Think about this. Now, as a side note, imagine the man and woman who owned the house. What you doing to my house? Maybe Jesus can heal that too. They didn't care about that. They just want, look, we'll deal with that later. We just need to get this man to Jesus. So finally they got a hole big enough and started lowering down. And I imagine that they may not have known uh, exactly where Jesus was. You know, maybe they were. Maybe they were good uh, carpenters and measurers. Maybe, you know, they were like, uh, you know, Brother Eldon, Brother Jared. You know, they were outside. They say, sit here for a second. Let's see here. Three, two, that's 16. Carry the one. Okay. So if we stand right here, Jesus is right there. Now I imagine they may not have been that way. They're just trying to get their friend to Jesus. So wherever they could get to on the roof, they got there and they just started lowering him down. So people started moving out the way. What's going on? And all of a sudden, Jesus noticed him. What in the world is going on? And when he saw him, he said, your faith, your faith. I see the faith of these men that brought you to me. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this guy? That I, you see, we, can't, we, we knew he was going to say something crazy. That's why we came. That's why we came from Galilee. That's why we came from all these places. Because we knew he was going to start talking crazy. Forgive him of his sins. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Hello? Hello? Jesus stood in front of Pilate. And Pilate said, what is truth? Hello? You're looking at truth. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. You're looking at God and don't realize it. Don't miss the time of my visitation. There's a reason we miss visitation of the presence of the Lord. They were willing to do whatever it took. In Mark chapter 2, it, it puts it this way. Same story. You don't have to go there, but it says again, he entered Capernaum and for some days, uh, it, and it was, he heard uh, that he was in the house. They heard he was in the house and immediately people started gathering. Most of the time Jesus spoke outside, but this time he was in the house and, they, and people started gathering. And so that there was no longer room to receive them in the house, not even near the door. So he preached the word to them. He began to preach to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, it says they uncovered the roof where he was. And so listen to this now, when they had broken through. When they had broken through, when they broke through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiving you. Your sins are forgiving you. He let them down. They let him down. They broke through. What does it say about the four men? When they broke through, I mean, how big was that hole that these men dug in the roof? 
Sometimes there are things that are preventing us from getting to his presence. How many of us would have given up before the hole was big enough to get the man down? How many of us would have given up when we looked and saw the crowd there? That crowd is too big. I'm not, I'm not sitting in all of that. Come on. How many of us fear the crowd? We fear people. We fear embarrassment. Sometimes there are things that prevent us from getting into his presence. And we have to identify those things. What's preventing you? What are you waiting on? What have you been relying on? Number two I noticed about these men is simple. They brought somebody to Jesus. They brought somebody to Jesus. I'll say it again. They brought somebody to Jesus. How many of us, when we see people going through something, we try to just get them to do what's right? I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know why you keep drinking. I don't know why you keep smoking. I don't know why you keep lying. I don't know why you keep doing the same thing over and over. You need to get to church. You need to do what's right. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to be a good person. What's wrong with you? You know what these men did? They brought him to Jesus. They brought him to Jesus. You can't fix him anyway. They brought him to Jesus. How often do we try to get people to change instead of bringing them to Jesus? Or bringing Jesus to them. See, back then, Jesus was restricted because he was in the flesh. But now he sent his spirit. He poured it out on all flesh, and Jesus lives where? Where's the kingdom of God? In you. He's in us. And so now we don't have to figure out where is Jesus preaching and bring someone to Jesus. We can bring Jesus to them. We can bring Jesus to them. And lastly, and this is what I want us to know about this whole series about presence. I hope this wraps it up in a bow. This man thought that his greatest need was the ability to walk. His friends thought that his greatest need was the ability to walk. Now he had a need. He, he did have a need to walk. He had a need to be healed. Some of us have a need. We need, we need money to pay the bills. Uh, we, you know, if we, if we don't do something soon, uh, the relationship's going to be over. Some of us have a need. Needs. But it's not our greatest need. Many of us are looking for something from Jesus instead of looking for Jesus. His greatest need was not the ability to walk, but the ability to be right with God. The ability to be right with God. Why did he say to this man, your sins are forgiven? Because now, being part of the body of Christ, you get all of the benefits that come along with it. Forget not. What's the scripture? Forget not God. And all of his benefits. But you got to forget not God. We just try not to forget the benefits and forget God. And God is saying, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will heal all of your diseases. I will deliver you from everything that oppresses you. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Anything you're going through, I have the answer. But I want you to come see me. God is telling us, come see me. 
have faith enough to come see me. If you can have the faith to get to me, everything else I'll take care of. But seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Some of us feel like we don't have faith enough. We don't have faith enough for healing. I need more faith for healing. I need more faith for some money. Hey, let me tell you this this morning. You need faith to get to the presence of the Lord. That's what you need faith for. And that's the greatest faith. It takes more. It takes more. It's easy to believe for healing to me. It's easy to believe for some things. But you need the greatest faith. You need faith to get to Jesus. Because when you get to Jesus, everything is there. He begins to disciple you and teach you how to only speak his word in every situation. He begins to disciple you and teach you how to love others as you love yourself. If you do those things, all these things will be added unto you. And so the presence of God is everything. In his presence is not just a little bit of joy. Not, not, it's not just, well, sometimes we'll be happy. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down almost level to the ground. No, it's the fullness of joy. The thief comes, come on, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And a lot of us, a lot of times, I'll just end it with this. A lot of times, it's my first ending. A lot of times, uh, you know, people... People, you know, they think, oh, the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So, uh, you know, what's he going to do? Is, is he gonna, he's going to steal my, steal my money, steal my wife or my husband. Steal. No, no, no. What about your thoughts? What about your dreams? What about your drive to get into the pool when the water is stirred? What about your hope? Because you've been beat up all your life. You've had the same thing for 38 years. And so it's easy for him to come in and steal your joy away. But he never gave you your joy, so he can't steal it. The only thing he can do is you give it to him. You give it to him. And so God is telling us this morning, press into my presence. Press into my presence. Come see me. Have faith enough to get to me. God desires to give us everything that we want, folks. God desires to give us health. He desires to give us prosperity. He desires to give us happiness and joy. These are, this is in the scripture now. I'm not just guessing. God desires to give us fulfilling relationships, successful and fruitful work life, a thriving life period. He desires to give us all of those things. And God knows that the best way to give us all of those things and for us to achieve all of those things is for us to have a relationship with him. To have a relationship without hindrances with him. 